Good morning. From the newsroom of the Financial Times, today is Thursday, January 17th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Today, Prime Minister Theresa May makes another push at Brexit after again narrowly surviving a vote of no confidence. U.S. lawmakers warned that Huawei's solar equipment could threaten the entire American electricity grid. And creator of the world's first index mutual fund, Jack Bogle, has died. Then the FT's Laura Noonan and Rob Armstrong tell us what to take away from U.S. bank earnings reports this week. I'm Eric Krupke, and here's the news you need to start your day. The eyes to the right, 306. The nose to the left, 325. That's Prime Minister Theresa May narrowly surviving a vote of no confidence on Wednesday. And yes, we will also continue to work to deliver on the solemn promise we made to the people of this country to deliver on the result of the referendum and leave the European Union. The vote was called on Tuesday by Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn after Mrs May's Brexit deal failed in the House of Commons. Mrs May relied on Northern Ireland's Democratic Unionists to survive. Their 10 MPs prop up her minority government. Mrs. May immediately invited opposition leaders to join talks on how to break the Brexit deadlock. But we must find solutions that are negotiable and command sufficient support in this House. But Mr. Corbyn refused to hold discussions, unless the Prime Minister ruled out the prospect of Britain leaving the EU without a deal with Brussels. The government must remove, must remove clearly, once and for all, the prospect of the catastrophe of a no-deal Brexit from the EU. Leader of the Scottish National Party, Ian Blackford, also spoke on the vote. That the issue of removing article, extending Article 50 of a people's vote and avoiding a no deal have to be on the table. We have to. But Mrs. May's spokesperson said she's adamant Britain would leave the EU on March 29th, preferably with a deal. Chief EU negotiator Michel Barnier insisted that Mrs. May's agreement remains the best compromise Brussels can offer. This House do now adjourn. And members of the U.S. Congress have warned that Huawei's sales of solar equipment in the U.S. threaten the entire American electricity grid. Both Republicans and Democrats have said that Huawei solar equipment could be hacked to allow a third party to slow or even interrupt U.S. electricity supplies. California Democrat Jerry McNerney called on the Trump administration to compel Huawei to reveal exactly what's in the solar equipment it sells the U.S., U.S. policymakers have long viewed Huawei with suspicion. In recent months, U.S. officials have been lobbying allies to restrict Huawei's sales of equipment for high-speed 5G telecoms networks. The warnings come just six weeks after Canadian officials arrested Huawei's chief financial officer, Meng Wanzhou, on charges of breaking sanctions against Iran. And a group of members has launched a bill that would ban sales of U.S. equipment to Chinese companies that violate U.S. sanctions. Earlier this week, Huawei's president and founder, Ren Zhengfei, publicly denied the company had ever spied for China. And the founder of Vanguard and creator of the world's first index mutual fund, Jack Bogle, has died at the age of 89. Bogle founded the Vanguard Group after he was ousted as the head of Wellington, a Pennsylvania investment group. While there, he set up the first index fund for investors and championed the merits of cheap, passive investing for decades. Today, Vanguard is a $5 trillion investment behemoth and one of the leading players in the global index investing industry. 
Mr. Bogle leaves a legacy as the pioneer and leading advocate of the $10 trillion index investment universe. And here's something else we're following. All right, so Rob, you want to tell me what you had for breakfast today? Uh, I had a corn muffin. Rob Armstrong is the FT's U.S. finance editor. I saw and smelled. Yes. And Laura Noonan is the FT's U.S. banking editor. And they've both been up early every day this week as six of Wall Street's biggest banks announced their earnings for the most recent quarter. Laura, can you give us a rundown of what earnings are looking like so far for the fourth quarter for the big American banks? Sure. So we've had five of the big six American banks have already reported earnings for the fourth quarter. Expectations going in were actually pretty low. So the six banks, their share prices fell by an average of 14% in December. People were very concerned about things like the prospect of of a recession in the US economy, about the China trade war. They were concerned about the market volatility as well. So people have pretty low expectations. Against those, the banks have by and large done very well. Wednesday, we had both Bank of America and Goldman Sachs reporting earnings. Their shares shut up around more than 8% each. So people were very surprised at how good those earnings were. So I think overall the message has been good. The chief executives as well have been very positive about the outlook for the US economy in particular. And they said that even though there is a lot of tension in financial markets, they're not really seeing that feed through to the real economy at this point. So a lot of these banks have big uh, trading businesses, big investment banks. What was the impact of the market volatility on those businesses within the banks? So I think it's definitely fair to say that there was some negative impact, particularly in the fixed income trading business. That was the one that was really hit. All the banks we have had so far have posted pretty big falls in fixed income revenue for the fourth quarter of 2018 relative to a year earlier. The worst was Citigroup. They were down 21%. Goldman Sachs then was down 18%. People would actually expect that Goldman Sachs' fixed income revenue to be up. So basically, people were kind of taken aback by how badly fixed income was hit. Uh, So that was one of the real negatives from the earnings, from what was overall a pretty positive earnings season. So are the banks ready for a recession? I know J.B. Diamond talked a little bit about it being late in the cycle and him being cautious. What do do you think? If I were to read the earnings, I think... Jamie Diamond and JP Morgan and also Citigroup are probably the most defensively positioned. I put it to one other CFO earlier was his bank defensively positioned and he was somewhat outraged and said that this wasn't the time to be defensive and that they were very much in a more of a growth mode than a defensive positioning. So I think Citigroup took risk off towards the end of the year. Citigroup, if, if you look at their assets, they actually brought them down on a risk-weighted asset basis. And the reason for doing that was they want to be well positioned. They don't want to have too much at risk in the market when things do turn. I think Jamie Dimon was quite outspoken about how he was happy for lending to for lending to slow in certain areas because he didn't want to be the dumb children who were lending at the very, very end of the cycle. So I think there are two banks where we certainly see a bit of caution coming in. The other banks, I guess it's a very thin line for them to tread because if you do go out there and say we are battening down the hatches for the very worst, these are such big institutions and such influential institutions, you can actually make that a self-fulfilling thing. So in the end, if you say that we're in an environment where you need to pull in credit, where you need to pull in risk and you actually start doing that, you can yourself actually contribute to that becoming the future. So 2018 ends on a solid, if not great note. What are the banking trends you're watching for this year, 2019? So on the investment bank side, I think fixed income is going to be interesting Mm. because the banks are all trying to make out that what we saw in the last quarter isn't anything structural and that they don't see anything in their businesses that that they need to change because of what happened in the fourth quarter. But at some point, there's an element 
of a gravitated to the thing. If fixed income fees keep falling at the kind of rate that we saw in the fourth quarter, people are going to have to make some decisions around the kind of products that they actually want to be in and the kind of cost base they can afford to carry there. So I think fixed income is certainly one to continue watching. And we'll also see banks investing more in terms of trying to take some of the people out of it and put more technology in. Mm. I think tech spend overall is going to be interesting again. So we had Goldman Sachs earlier saying they thought that like 2019 would effectively be the peak year in terms of tech spend. They'll be spending a lot, but it'll be interesting to see if we do see a tighter economic cycle and if banks do see a more challenging commercial outlook, will they start to rein in some of the tech spending or do they think that it's absolutely important to invest for the future? In terms of the retail banking piece then, I mean, you have the continued battle between having to have the branches and then trying to get into the new technology areas. And we have seen this year Chase in particular, Chase being the JP Morgan retail brand, they've opened their first new retail branches in the last decade. They opened in the fourth quarter of the year and they're trying to get into new markets with bricks and mortar branches, but they're very much the exception rather than the rule. So I think we'll probably see across banks generally more people pairing back there. I mean, it was interesting on the Citigroup earnings call. They said that they thought the area where they had to do the most work on their cost base was actually in the retail banking network. I think we can probably expect to see a lot of focus there. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today we'll be following the earnings of the last major U.S. bank, Morgan Stanley. They're set to report earnings at 7 a.m. Eastern. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.